welcome to Into the West, the Middle Earth SVG podcast, where we discuss the competitive side of the game. Today with me are Richard, Ian, and Alexander. In today's episode, we'll be looking at Celeborn, and in our open topic today, we'll be talking about heroic actions, particularly the specialized heroic actions. All right, let's get to Celeborn. Tell me, where is Gandalf? For I much desire to speak with him. I can no longer see him from afar. So, Celeborn is a hero of valor, and he can be found in the Lothlorien list, as well as the White Council list. He is 130 points base, move 6, fight 6, strength 4, defense 4, 3 attacks, 3 wounds, courage 7. He has 3 might, 3 will, and 3 fate. He starts unarmed. He can purchase an elven-made hand and half-sword for 5 points, heavy armor for 10 points, and a shield for 5 points. So he has Heroic Channeling, Heroic Strike, and Heroic Defense. If your army includes Kelborn, you can upgrade any number of Galadrim Warriors into Galadrim Guard for one more point per model, and uh, Galadrim Guard have Courage 6. He has Terror and Woodland Creature. He also has Lord of the West, which allows him to reroll one die on his dual roll and one die on his two wound roll. And his last special rule is Lord of Lorien, which allows him to uh, have a 12-inch standfast rather than a 6-inch standfast. And uh, finally, he has three magical powers, Ore of Command on a 2+, Enchanted Blades on a 3+, with a 6-inch range, and Immobilize on a 3+, with a 12-inch range. Uh, okay, who would like to start? I'll go. Celeborn's profile, I think, it's okay. It's, um, obviously, he's a Lord of the West. He's pretty decent. I just think that his profile, very much a, a typical Elven combat hero. You know, fight six, strength four, you can make him defense seven, three attacks, three wounds, courage seven, three, three, three. And he does have two of the main three heroic actions. However, while he has pretty strong spells, I find that you're paying a lot for potential spell casting when he only has the three will. Uh, so you're only going to get three opportunities of that unless you can restore his will. And obviously, he lacks a mounted option. So I, I, I rank him towards the low end of the what are supposed to be higher tier elven heroes. So he's definitely solid, but he's far from an auto-take. And really, I think if I was typically running an alliance with Lothlorien and another list, I would skip him altogether. He's just not my favorite. Yeah, so just, ah, he's so close to being just one of the boys, one of the top elven lords, because he's so good. Three's in all the right places. He's some really cool special rules. And like Alex touched on, with his heroic actions are just really solid with strike and defense are probably two of my favorites. And then he also has a hero channeling, which really enhances his magical abilities. His special rule where he can bring elves at a plus one courage for one point. I've never really seen anyone actually take that. So that's kind of a shame. But otherwise, he's just really solid stat wise, cool rules. But he can't get a horse which really, really limits his ability, especially if it's at a lower points game 
where you really need the hitting power and he's one of your only big heroes, then if you take him as your uh, sole hero, it's just really, really hard to kill with the Lothlorien list. So, yeah, I think that's his biggest downfall. Just to give some context, there are four Lords of the West in the game. There's Gilgalad, Elrond, Glorfindel, and Celeborn. And Celeborn's the only one that can't take a horse. So these guys mentioned that, you know, Celeborn not being able to take a horse is a big weakness, and I agree with that. The other Lords of the West, they get the same rerolls, but they're also mounted. So they get extra dice on the charge and extra dice to wound. So to be fair, technically he can get more dice in combat than any other charging Lord of the West. Because if you put him into, like, a model... Two pikes behind him, that's five dice. Then you have Lord of the West and a banner, that's seven dice, compared to six, effectively. So, you know, he's, he's, got, he's got that going for him. Yes, being on foot Small does, mean that, does yeah. mean that you can uh, you can be supported. That's that's true. He also, I think he's also the only hero with uh, three-plus enchanted blades, so it's quite reliable that he can cast on himself for those extra rerolls uh, in combat. I think the reason why Galadrim Guard aren't really taken as an upgrade is because he has uh, Aura of Command already, which grants a 6 or 12 inch if you channel of Fearless around him. So having those Courage 6 Elves, it sounds nice in theory, but it's most of the time you'll find that it's unnecessary because of Aura of Command. You just Blade touched on um, Aura of Command and Enchanted Blades, but I find that his third spell at Mobilize is really handy too on a combat hero. So just on your way in, into uh, the opposing leader, just... Toss and mobilize, and yeah, on a three plus too. Yeah, I think that the the best way to use this profile is you have to leverage the uh, like his magical abilities really well. You have to like use that to your advantage. And personally, I think the best way to do that is either like basically running with the army bonus, so then he gets resistance to magic. So then you're not as worried about coming up against an enemy spellcaster because you always have dice to resist. So you're not as worried to throw your will out on these spells. As for the enchanted blades. I really like it. I don't think it's worth it casting it on himself, just because he is on foot and he already has a reroll on one of his dice. I think it's, it's a lot better to have like another hero around him that he can like pump up with that, like even just a Galadrim captain who's mounted, or more like ideally some other like big elven lord from Rivendell, I guess, or even a fellowship member if you want. We might get into that later. And as for the immobilize, it actually is really handy having like that he has it with Galadriel because you can catch people off guard with that if you toss one out with Galadriel they spend all their dice to resist and then you do a cheeky one with him to actually get it to go off that is handy so there are things you can do but you are heavily restricted by him only having three will so most of the time I think you're probably just gonna be throwing one dice at all these spells yeah just a quick mention of his double standfast I think that's always really good on a hero He's just really good for buffing Courage with the Aura of Command and the Double Standfast. Going to scores, lacking the mount option is... It's it's always going to bother me. I've used him a few times this edition, and I think he can get great value for his points. Out of the heroes that are both casters and combat heroes, I think he's, he's not bad. Not being able to mount him, uh, I just don't think that you would be able to get the maximum value for his points. So uh, I think he's a he's a solid seven. I would say we kind of all have a similar sentiment, but the way I'm seeing it is he's a pretty average hero. I think you take him in certain situations, especially if you're running a pure Lothlorien list. But otherwise, 
there's not a huge point in taking him in uh, alliance list because I feel like there's just so many better choices in other lists. So I think he's pretty um, on the uh, average hero length, so I would give him a five. I feel like he's kind of let down by his points cost, honestly. Like, you look at the initial points cost, 130, and you think, oh, that's actually pretty reasonable for what you're getting in the profile. Like, there's a lot you can't be mounted, but that's a lot of things you can do. But no, he's always going to be 150 once you kid him out with the uh, the armor shield and the elven made sword. So 150 points for what you're getting is just is not quite enough, especially when there are other ways you can fill the role that he can take, like just by allying in. So yeah, kind of like what Richard said, you basically a lot of time when you're going to run him is when you have like a peer list. That being said, I think there are some weird things you can do, like I am in forest magic and kind of like make it work. But yeah, pretty average. I can't say he he is average. He's definitely like above average because he's still like that profile is still amazing. Like we said, he's got the good heroic actions and stuff. Got a little cheeky special rules and magic. I wanted to put him at a seven, but that just feels like a little bit too high. So I'm going to go for a six. If he was like 10 to 15 points cheaper, I'd probably put him at a seven because then his points cost is a lot more justified. Yeah. I think if he had a horse, he'd be like a nine. Oh, if he had a horse, it's a different game. Like if he has a horse, I think that probably puts him up around, yeah, eight and a half, nine. Whereas personally, you know, when, when you said you had to give him a middle of the road score and you gave him a five, based on how we seem to grade our heroes, I'd say a five isn't average, Richard. You killed him. He's dead. With the score of a five. But then again, Why do I, I feel like you're going to do the same thing right now, though. <laughs> I definitely am. I struggle to give him higher than a six right now. Utility wise, you know, if you can make his magic work, then yeah, I'd say it's a six. I think if I want a spellcaster, I'll get a spellcaster, not a hero that does a bit of both. My greatest critique of Celeborn and where it really hits for me is that bit where Celeborn's like, tell me, where is Gandalf? And I'm like, I don't know, Celeborn, where's your mounted option? (laughs) He's just, he's missing it. You're always going to take him at 150, Uh, never 130, because nobody wants him in his house coat. It doesn't make any sense. I think you might be, I think uh, his horse is missing because you beat it to death. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I feel like I have to... uh, I feel like I have to defend my 7 rating, because I think I gave it the highest. So, Core of Command, from what I can remember, only two other heroes have in the game, Saruman the White and Kyrdan. Neither of those heroes are very easy to ally. Kyrdan because he's a minor hero, Saruman because he's a one-drop White Council. So, being able to ally in a hero that can give a potentially 12-inch bubble of Fearless, plus a 12-inch Stamfast, it can negate a lot of armies' courage weakness. I think that bonus, that uh, utility, might be a little underrated. I mean, his killing potential isn't as much as you'd like for 150 points, but I just think that he adds a couple other significant buffs to the rest of your army if you were to ally him in. I feel like my list that we wrote up today actually really encapsulates that, but we'll, we'll get into that later. That is a very good point. The thing is, I think if if it wasn't for today's requirement being include Celeborn, if I was going to write a similar list, I'd either have gone with Galadriel or Haldir if I wanted to include more of something else. I really don't think I would would have put Celeborn in there. All right, let's move on and see what uh, what these lists contain. So to start, we'll have Richard talk about a pure 500-point list that he wrote with Celeborn. 
So for the last couple of weeks, I've been taking some filthy lists. So I thought it would do good for myself to bring a pure themey list. So <laughs> <laughs> so the list is Kelborn as my leader with heavy armor, elven made hand and half sword, shield, three Gladrium warriors with shield, two Gladrium warriors with spear and shield, one Gladrium warrior with spear, shield, banner, four Gladrium warriors with bow, one Gladrum Knight with shield. And then in the second warband, I have a Gladrum Captain with armored horse and shield, four Gladrum Warriors with shield, four Gladrum Warriors with spear and shield, and one Sentinel. So to a total of 500 points, 22 models, five might, five bows. There's not a lot of tricks in this list. Essentially, it's just a shield wall kind of list. And I got the Gladrum Captain for the march and also the mounted hero option. So a little bit of killing power added in, which also like Ian brought up previously, I could throw the enchanted blades from Celeborn onto the Gladrum Captain. And then I also have a Sentinel just in case I come up against a low courage army or if there's monsters, it can be a huge advantage. And then, yeah, most of my army with at least D6 all around. So, yeah, that's about it. I feel like your numbers should be higher because Galadrim warriors, um, they're not that expensive. You don't have any Galadrim court guards. So I kind of was a little bit surprised that you're only at 22 models. I thought you would maybe be closer to 25. But I guess you have a Sentinel and a Galadrim knight. Yeah, I think the Sentinel is really good. So it does add some tricks to your list. I wouldn't say your list has no tricks. So you kind of have like the ability to move key enemy models away from combat and stuff like that. Having no Gladrim court, I don't know what the others feel about it. I think it's okay not to have the fight six at 500 points. It would help you if you were playing against another elf player. But other than that, I don't know how much utility they would actually add to your list. But I just think that the numbers, if they were a little bit higher, it would be a stronger list. Kelborn adds a lot to your list. I think, like you said, Enchanted Blades. And also, he probably will be doing a lot of the heavy lifting when it comes to combat. Yeah, other than that, it's, it's solid. I think this would be a strong hero fortitude list. I actually really like the hero choices at 500 points. I haven't run Lothorian a lot, but like there's not a ton of ways you can do it at 500. What I tried to do was like Haldir and Rumail and then just get a lot of like the interesting stuff like Sentinels and Cav, but that didn't work out so well for me. So having Celeborn with the Gladrim Captain, like we talked about, gives you two good combat threats. And then the Sentinel there, you know, I we've talked about it before. I'm not crazy for them, but I, I think I just need to try them out more. But I do like that you have, you know, the Sentinel in there for a bit of cheekiness. You have an extra knight in there for objectives. You have the banner, which is big. So it, it makes sense why your numbers are so low. But, like, even if you... You'd have to drop two of them. Like, you could probably get up to, like, 24 if you swap the knight out for two guys and swap the sentinel out for two guys. But I think it's better that you have them and are at 22 models, honestly. No, I, I it's a solid enough list. The numbers do worry me, but you do have, like, a lot of cheeky tricks because you got the knight who can run through forests. You got the sentinel. Caliborn has magic. And the banner is pretty good. It's just numbers are concerning. And, you know, five bows, Richard. Ugh, ugh. Come on. You could have seven in there. You went with five? Dios mio. Don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it is it is pretty good. There's nothing amazing in here, though. I kind of feel like, like Charles said, if your numbers were a little bit higher, I, I'd probably give it a Valor. But I think I'm still at Fortitude. Which kind of pays me to say, because, like, Lothlorien was my main army for so long. 
don't yeah, know. I mean, I think, I guess the possibility is switching out the Knight and Sentinel and then put in, like, two Gladrum core for the fight six and then maybe two other normal elves would be roughly the same amount. And then I can bump that to 24 models. I guess it's not so big losing the Sentinel, just less tricks, but then losing the Knight, I think, would be the bigger deal, because my only other mounted model would be my Captain. It would actually be kind of cool if you could maybe swap the Sentinel for another Cav, and then scrounge up some more points and try and get to three Cav. That would be interesting. That's a lot of mobility. I think mobility is a problem for Lothorian at low points because there's just no cheap options, right? Gladrim Captain is the only hero option, and then your knights are pretty expensive compared to a lot of other cav options in the game. Yeah, mobility and hitting power, even though they don't have like the lance or anything, having three fight five guys who can charge around and stuff, eh, that might be better if you still keep the 22 models. I, I, I don't know. That'd be like a playtesting thing, I think, though. I essentially can only at this point echo uh, the concerns of Richard and Ian. Model count is the biggest one in my mind. Otherwise, you know, I, I generally like the way it's balanced out. I think we've seen a lot of it amongst our lists lately in our discussion, but I do like the generic elf captains, specifically the Galadrim captain and the high elf captain. Uh, being able to mount them, you get the march, you get a bit of mobility. Obviously, you only have the one Galadrim knight. That's because between Lothlorien and Rivendell, the mounted options are quite expensive. Otherwise, of course, you have Fight 5, at least across the board, which is always a good elven trick. I'm a little surprised uh, that you didn't put a couple of Galadrim Court Guard in there for the Fight 6, but as has been mentioned, at 500 points, especially against evil armies, I don't really see where you'd get a lot of Fight 6 against it. But then again, as someone who plays Kazadoom, I feel like even at 500 points against a good army, you probably stand a decent chance of uh, coming up against Fight 6 Hero. So having maybe one or two in a list would be helpful. I understand the use of the Sentinel, but it's never my favorite choice, just because of the number of times that I've seen it fail to do what you expect it to do. I think there might be better uses of those 25 points. It's a solid list all around. I like it. I'll give it a 4 to 2. And this is what I get for bringing a peer list. Congratulations. <laughs> I'm sorry, Richard. I, 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 we really don't want to scare you off uh, historic alliances or anything like that, or pure lists. Next, we're going to move on to my list, which is a 600-point historical alliance. So in Lothlorien, we have Hellborn as the leader with shield, heavy armor, and a hand and half elven made sword. Five Galadrim with shield. Two Galadrim with spear and shield. Four Galadrim with elf bows. One Gladrum with shield, spear, and banner, and one guard of the Gladrum court. Second warband, we have Haldir with armor and bow, and he has two Gladrum with shield, one Gladrum with spear and shield, two Gladrum with elf bow, and one guard of the Gladrum court. And we have a Rohan alliance led by Theodred on horse with a shield, two riders Rohan, and one outrider with horse. Uh, that comes to 600 points, 25 models. Nine Might and Ten Bows. So in this particular alliance, I've gone with three Three Might heroes. I've decided to stack up on Might and sacrifice some numbers to do it. The Rohan bring in the mobility with Theodred and three riders. The one outrider is great for sending him far out away from the rest of the army for objectives and running off the board, things like that. The Rider Rohan just provide a cheap option of mobility and knockdown. Haldir, his expert shot's pretty good. 
pretty useful, but also he's just cheap for three might points. And uh, Kelborn, he's there to provide the Courage buff, as mentioned before, and also Enchanted Blades on Haldir. Since Theodred already has a reroll to wound in his special rules, I've gone for 10 bows, which I think, I think I'm still one off from maximum bows, but I'm going to be relying on shooting to uh, reduce the enemy's numbers for combat because I think 25 models is kind of low for 600 points. But yeah, that's, that's the general strategy behind the list. So I like the hero choices because it gives you three striking heroes. My issue is that you don't have a march in this list. And you said that Kelborn's your leader, right? Yeah, he's, he's a leader. Yeah, because Theodred could be kind of a liability. Although I would say with the implementation of the new scenarios, now that we have Assassination, now in addition to Fog of War and like Clash by Moonlight, these are all scenarios that targets heroes that aren't your leader. So Theodred kind of, in my opinion, becomes a worse choice nowadays because the opponent can score victory points by killing him. And I would also say at 600 points, 25 models is very much on the elite side. Sorry to jump in on your previous point, but do you think I should consider Haldir as a leader? Because now he's a Valor. I think Haldir would actually be a decent option because if Contest of Champions comes up, um, I think Haldir can still be able to get a few kills here and there with Kelborn throwing Immobilize on the enemy leader. And that way, because you know Celeborn and Theodred are going to be in the thick of combat, and you'll probably want to throw them in, I think Haldir being a Valor could be a sneaky option for being a leader, even if that doesn't really make sense. <laughs> if you could find five points to give him the cloak, I would agree. Um, but even without the cloak, right, he'll most likely start out in the back shooting, and then later on, even if he joins the combat, he'll most likely be flanking and on the on the sides. So he wouldn't be really in the thick of combat, right? Caliborn would probably be standing in the middle of your line. Yeah, yeah, a little worrisome, but I guess so. He is a bit squishier than Caliborn, um, so I, I think he's definitely worth the consideration at least. But I think overall, it's um, it's an interesting alliance. I like allying Rohan for the cavalry, but I don't know, just 25 models is a little rough. Um, I guess the same criticism that went against my list. So I think I'm thinking either like a low valor or strong fortitude. I'll I'll give it a low valor. Yeah, it's tough to uh, get the numbers you want at lower points with Celeborn. <laughs> that might just be inherent to this profile. So I I think the better way to do this alliance would actually be instead of Haldir to take another Rohan hero that has the march, maybe. Because then you get the march in your list and then you bulk out with more Rohan guys, even if they're just on foot, just to boost your numbers up a bit. And that's like having the Rohan in the front rank and then the Galadriel behind is is fine. I mean, it does weaken your line a little bit because they're only defense five. But that's not the what, what if I deal. went with um, what if I went with Urkenbrand instead of Theodred? Uh, I would lose one of my striking heroes, but I don't know. Something like that, right? Something like a hero with March. Something like that. Does does he have March? Uh, Urkenbrand? I think he has uh, Strength and March. He does. It's yeah, just I, I won't really use the plus two in the Warhorn, but... I don't know if I'd go yeah. for him. Yeah, just because like, the, the Warhorn doesn't do that much for you because you have the Aura of Command anyway. Honestly, yeah. you could just go for gambling and just put him on a horse. The only thing you miss out on gambling is the bodyguard. You won't have anyone to bodyguard, but that's okay. Yeah, that's... Well, oh. Well, because he has Sworn Protector Theoden. He doesn't have bodyguard, though. 
So he can only yeah heal. yeah swarm protector. That, that's so, what I mean. I mean. That's that's like that's not a big deal. You have the the man like he he'll be fine. I honestly yeah something like that I think might be better. And then just just bulking at your numbers with foot Rohan because then you are getting more out of the spells from Celeborn if you need to. I do like the uh, the cav there though because like Theodred adds a lot of punching power to the list that you need. And then even the Riders of Rohan just with strength four. And then if you give them axes they can go to strength five on the charge because they do keep their army bonus. That's pretty good. Howley's a good, solid pick. I mean, there's a lot going on. You could... Ooh. What if you went, like, Theoden instead, just so you get the synergy with Howley? I mean, that's it's a bit of a long shot, but... That's a lot coming from someone who doesn't really like Theoden. <laughs> I know, yeah, right? Did, didn't you rate Theoden uh, overrated? I did, I did. But now he's got <laughs> Haldir, so now he's buffing Haldir, too, which is just like... That was last oh. week, guys. That was, that was before. But, uh, was Thedon, before. So Thedon would have to be your leader, though. Yeah, but that kind of goes in with what you're saying, because then you can send in Caliborn and uh, Haldir to go do choppy stuff while Thedon just chills, because he doesn't need to be doing killing. But, you know, I do like Theodred, honestly. I really like that profile, so I'd rather take him. I think the better route is to just swap Haldir out for somebody else. But then, yeah, you won't be able to do Richard's idea of having him as the leader. But I think that's probably swapped out by having your numbers boosted and, and getting the access to March. 25 models with 10 bows. Love that. Well, I guess 10 bow shots. You got 8 bows and, and then Haldir's 2. That's what that is? Yeah. No. No, I have 11 what? with Haldir shots. Yeah. I, I wrote 10 because it's 10 models I can shoot. 5, 6, 9, 10. Okay, yeah, 11 shots to turn. Yeah. That's I, I, yeah. gross. Oh, okay. Uh, You have the banner. You got Cav. I think at 600 is when you'll start to see some blinding light, though. So maybe I could go down a little bit in bows and put more shields on my, my guys and then try to put in a march. So that way I won't be banking on sitting back and shooting and I have an option to move forward as well. Mm-hmm. Mm, I'm going to go soft valor. Yeah. Yeah, because like, you don't have the march, but you do have a nice little mounted contingent that can work for you, so... Yeah, it's like Valor, like just pips into Valor, I'd say. If you had maybe swapped something out, it'd be a lot, I think it'd be like a solid Valor, like like strong, but it still kind of pips in there for me. Yeah, going with Ian's idea, if you swap out Haldir maybe for a mounted Rohan captain, which made it onto our uh, underrated heroes list in previous episodes. That's right, Captain Rohan. Or um, Elf Helm, if, if Elf Helm has March. I can't remember. I think he only has accuracy. And defense. And defense. And defense. Okay. Oh, he doesn't have march. Yeah. Oh, I still like that pick. He's, he's, he's so annoying with his throwing spear. I love it. And the defense is handy. Everything's essentially been said at this point. Just like Richard's list, biggest concern really is um, model count. Otherwise, it's pretty solid lists. You've got the, the guard of the Gladrum Court, solid bow numbers good spread all around with your uh, Galadrim warriors. I do like the Theodred pick. Actually, I, I do like his profile. I think for a hero that you can ally into the list, he's pretty good. Of course, it is a historic alliance, so you don't need his hero of valor to get in there. But having another mounted hero that can strike is always a big plus. Getting the few riders in there. I think best way around it, though, might have been, as has just been mentioned, to go for standard captain and maybe some more infantry models to beef up the numbers. But having that kind of mobility in there, a little contention of that, is always helpful. 
I do worry a, a bit. Obviously, the, the low model count makes it a bit unforgiving. Each loss, you're really going to feel that. But I, I still think it's a pretty solid fortitude, really. You still get nine might out of the list. Haldir is always a good pick. A little bit of fight six troops. Yeah, I think all in all, it's a pretty strong fortitude. Maybe a low right. valor, right in that kind of right in that soft middle. Okay. Next, we have Alexander with his 800 point green alliance list. Oh, this is going to hurt. This is going to hurt so much. <laughs> so I've got Caliborn full kit. Because as I've already said, I think the only real way to take him is to boost him all the way to defense seven, really make him uh, tough to bring down at least. So I've got him with the six Gladrum warriors with shield and spear, three with elf bow, two guard of the Gladrum court, got a high elf captain, full kit, everything except a bow. So uh, shield, lance, horse, five high elves with a shield and spear, one with shield, spear, and a banner, three with bows. Two Rivendell Knights with shields, Aristor, five High Elves with shield and spear, and a High Elf with bow, and the Fellowship's Boy Wonder, Boromir, with horse and shield. So that comes out just below the 800-point mark. Only 32 models, so breaks at 17. Nine bows, but it has 13 might. I do like the mobility that I've put in the list. Obviously, having a High Elf Captain and Boromir both mounted... A lot of might points, a couple of knights. I like that. I like the ability to obviously both be able to shoot and kind of pressure the opponent with a bit of movement around their flanks, kind of make them antsy a little bit. Aside from that, obviously kind of spending might a little bit like candy, having Boromir out there to do most of the hitting. I do like Aerostore as well. I mean, for a special rule with his throwing daggers, I always like that. I like the potential of the High Elf Captain with the, the Lance, especially with Celeborn's Enchanted Blades, being able to give that to either the High Elf Captain or Boromir, depending on who's in what position. I like that, but that's that's generally about it. I like I how you like said Boromir was going to do all of the hitting. I disagree. You have that High Elf Captain with the Lance, and you have Celeborn too, and Aristor, like, you're going to have so many models with, like, rerolling to wound and stuff, so you can do a lot of hitting with that. Well, I, I didn't say do all the hitting. I just say <laughs> I think I mentioned being able to uh, spend might a little bit like candy with him having a six might, being able to kind of do that, and then either throw the the enchanted blades on. Usually, either I'd say the high elf captain or Boromir, depending on who's in a more advantageous position. But yeah, Boromir will do a lot of the hitting, but I think with the picks I've put in there, he's gonna have a, a few options. Okay, so I'm actually kind of tempted with this list. Like I know we love Boromir, and I do love him in this. But you do already get the march from the captain, and you don't necessarily need Aristor in there to lead troops. So I would kind of be tempted to do the Legolas Gimli combo in this, honestly. Because I think it gives you a bit more tricks from the fellowship. I thought you were going to suggest the elf twins instead of those two elves. <laughs> I mean, you could go that route as well, if you wanted to. Yeah, you definitely could. And then you'd probably get, well, depends on how you kit them up, but maybe a couple more models in there if you went that route. Or you can um, even do uh, Glorfindel. Or Glorfindel, and then... Yeah? Yeah? I mean, okay, so he, he wrote this list up like five minutes before we started recording, and he was, he was pretty worried about it, but honestly, like, there's just so much hitting power in this list, which he, elves usually lack, so I'm like, I'm kind of on board. And you got mobility, right? Because you got, you got Boromir, the half Captain, and two Knights, and you got a lot of march in there. You have, like, a potential eight might points that can march, which is ridiculous. So, like, if you want to move around, you can move around. 
I I don't know. I I need I, I need a bit of time, a bit, a bit more time to think about this. I mean, to be fair, I will say when I originally started writing the list, pretty much the last week since we started talking about Caliborn and his profile, my original two was I was going to go Caliborn and Glorfindel just because Glorfindel's my elven boy, but he is my guy. But I also couldn't really see myself spending the uh, 320 points on the two combined. I felt like it might be a little bit too centralized. So I opted for the kind of bit more spread out, even though, you know, 110 of those 170 points actually ended up in Boromir. But that's because putting Boromir from the Fellowship in a list like this, he's also my boy. So I need time to ponder. Uh, Just one quick note, something I just thought of. I would put the High Elf banner in Caliborn's Warband because this is still a green alliance and then your banner has resistance magic. That's just handy to have on a banner. So I guess I'll go while Ian is still deciding on his rating. Alex, Alex, it pains me to see 797 points out of 800. But aside from that, I think we talked about the hero choices here. I think they're decent. I know there's some changes that you can do. Like, I think potentially the High Elf Captain, you could have also gone with Haldir because you already have the March and Boromir. But I kind of get it because he's a mounted option with the Lance. And, you know, Boromir is just good in every single list you take. So I do like the hero choices here. I think they're fairly decent. I think you could swap out or switch around how you distribute the warbands a little bit. Right now, most of your high elves are under the high elf captain. I think maybe you would want to add a couple to the air stores warband as well, just in case of maelstrom deployment, because you don't really want air store and six elves being caught out because... That's just a free warband kill right there. I think, of course, uh, 32 models is a bit light, even for an Elven Force at 800 points. So, you know, given that you wrote this pretty last minute, it's pretty solid. So I think I would give this a fortitude. So overall, a really good list. Just trying to think of what I can add in addition to what has been said. I think in the Lothlorien part of the army list, I put the spears on the bows instead of the spear and shields. Just because when combat hits, right now you're forced to put your Gladrim archers in the front to fight, and you rather have them supporting behind since they have lower defense. I don't know if the High Elf Captain is the best pick. I think uh, that's been said, but he's 95 points. But then I also like that you have two mounted heroes. So there's something off about the hero choices besides Bormir. The other three heroes, none of them are like what I would consider like super competitive or super amazing. So I think just for that reason, it's going to be a, a high fortitude. I do like your alliances and your composition. It's just the, the hero choices. They aren't the ones that I would pick. All right, back to you, Ian. Are you ready? Uh, <laughs> no. Okay, so actually, I think that's a good point. It's like, well, did you mention that earlier? You could swap out for the twins, maybe the captain and Aristor, and keep Boromir in there for the march. Yeah, I still like that idea. I don't know. Your numbers are just like, this is not like a list that I'd be comfortable playing. Just because the numbers are so low, but I really like the hitting power and mobility. I think I still have to go Fortitude, but I really like the concept. And I think you could definitely do something with what you have here, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you had more time to find this, you might be uh, in a better position. 
Yeah, I think Aristor isn't my number one competitive pick, but he does hit pretty well when he gets the chance. So I, that's why I'd put him in there. Although part of me, honestly, originally considered putting Gladrum with like Gondor because of the mounted options, as well as being able to obviously maybe get Shield Wall, a few different things that you can do with Gondor while still getting an alliance that doesn't really hurt you. All in all, the way this list has been reviewed uh, exceeded my expectations, considering I've essentially listed this list. The boys are back, you know, Boromir's my boy, is my boy, High Elf Captain's my boy. They're all my boys, except Caliborn. I let him sit on the council, but I do not grant him the rank of one of my bros. Not happening. Okay. <laughs> 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 okay. Caliborn is not one of my bros. The end. <laughs> <laughs> had, no, had no idea that you would be able to sneak in a prequel meme about it off the island. Oh my god. <laughs> the last list of the day is another 800 point alliance army, but this time it's going to be a convenient alliance by Ian. Ian, take it away. Okay, so this this is kind of weird for me, but I do like it. I, I'm just going to kind of dive into it. So my first warband is Caliborn. He's got all of his kit. So he's got, in his warband, he's got three Gladrim Warriors with Spear and Shield, one Gladrim Warrior with Spear, Shield, and Banner, one Guard of the Gladrim Court, and three Gladrim Warriors with Bow. The second warband is Thranduil, with the Extra Blade, the Armor, the Circlet, and the Elk. He has two Mirkwood Knights with Shield, and two Mirkwood Warriors with Bow. My third warband is Arvadui from Arnor, with 12 Warriors of Arnor. And my fourth warband is an Arnor Captain with the Shield, and eight warriors of Arnor. So I know I'm amazed too. I only have five bows. It's crazy. I initially did write this list with what I have. I have 20 warriors of Arnor, so I had seven rangers instead. And then I just heard all three of you guys just in the back of my mind just nagging me. This is a combat army. You only need your troops to die while the heroes kill things. They're gonna <laughs> focus down the defense four. And I was just like, oh god, oh god, they're right. Oh god, the voices in my head, Mason. What do they mean? So I swapped them out for Warriors of Arnor. I do think you could go for the Rangers in this kind of a list if you had, like, a Blinding Light or if I had Malbeth in there to give them a 5-up save. But, yeah, fair enough. I'm preempting your comments. Just go for the Warriors. They are good value, you know, the defense 6, fight 4, spear and shield. Really, really solid. So the leader in this list is Thranduil, which I actually like because I think it allows Celeborn to just kind of get the most value out of him because people aren't going to be focusing him down so everybody's gonna be focused on thranduil and since thranduil's on the elk and he has the blade he's fight seven strength five on the charge and i can enchanted blades him that's a lot of damage if i get it off the other thing is like supporting him so thranduil's kind of like the main threat and i'm hoping everybody will be scared of him and then I can just let Thranduil and Arvidi go in there and chop up stuff. Like, even though they're on foot, they can still do some damage against infantry, or they can go into heroes. They're very versatile. They both have strike and defense. And then Thranduil is, well, we had our first episode on them. He's pretty pretty solid. What else? Oh, yeah. So I did toy around with dropping the Arnor Captain. But if I do that, I only boost my numbers up by, like, three models because they all have to be replaced by elves, more or less. So in the end, I decided it was better to have the captain just for the march and because I don't really care if he goes down, but he is actually pretty good at tar pitting like mid-tier enemy heroes because the fight five and D7. Yeah, and then just having the extra might when I want all of these other heroes to be like doing stuff with their might is handy. 
So the other thing this army does is it, like I said earlier, kind of leverages Caliborn's magic really well, even though you're only going to get a chance to cast three spells. Throwing in Enchanted Blades on a Thranduil charging into something important, he should be able to kill it. Like, most things he'll be able to bring down. If I come up against an army that's terrifying, Caliborn can throw up uh, an Aura of Command, which is super handy because all my Warriors of Honor are on the Courage 2. The other thing is I'm not super worried if I break because both Arvadui and Caliborn have 12-inch standfasts, so... As long as I get one of them to pass, I'm not too worried about any of my troops running away. Um, that's it. It's a bit of a weird list, but it kind of goes off that theory that I think I've mentioned before of just having a lot of three attack heroes. It's a bit of a shame two of them are on foot, but I think I, I definitely think there's something here. All right, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna jump right into this one. Ian, this list it's like a mullet. It's what. <laughs> <laughs> Let, oh, let me no. finish the analogy, and you'll see. See, Caliborn, the warriors, the guard of the Gladium court, the bows, that's business in the front. That's that's your uh, defensively sturdy main hero, you know, stand warriors. Then you get to Thrangel. He's the party in the back. Give him the blade, the armor, the circlet, the elk, like you've already said. If you cast enchanted blades on Thrangel when he's charged into something, it's going down. Nothing is stopping that. This is where the fun begins. You're just, you know, Stop you've got the two knights. Aiming. I'm sorry. Sorry. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> I'm loving the analogy, by the way. The, so then you've got, you know, you've got the two Mirkwood knights, which I really like, just because the mobility that's given, obviously, in Thranduil with the elk and then having the knights. So that's where your mobility is. You a couple more bows. I just want to know what the, the Arnor is then. The the analogy ended in, in Thrandall's Warband. I don't know where to go with this one. When you put in Arvadui and then you didn't put in Malbeth, I was really surprised. This, this is just the next gruff or whatever. I don't know. But Arvadui, generally a pretty decent hero. Obviously, you can't give him a mount, but that's okay because you're not paying 150 points for him like you are with a certain somebody. Uh, you <laughs> You get 12 warriors, you know, See, this is where you really beef up the numbers and you do something that the, the rest of us didn't do. You really do have a pretty decent set here, 36 total. And it's because of those 12 warriors. Obviously, having the fight four and defense six is really, really useful. The Arnor captain, just for the march, you know, he's, he's solid. And with for 55 points, you can't really argue with that choice. And then eight more warriors. So I'm I'm pretty pleased with it. I gotta say, this is a pretty solid list. I'm really liking it. I'm gonna give it. I think I gotta give this one a valor. I think it's interesting that you chose Thranduil to ally. It's, it's like if Caliborn is, isn't a big enough hero for you, you just take a bigger one. You could kind of say it's like <laughs> vaguely third age, end of the War of the Rings, um, but then I yeah. don't know why Arnor's there. <laughs> I haven't ever used Thranduil without the army bonus. I don't know if he's worth 185 points. I know he adds a lot, but 185 is pretty hefty. Somehow you're able to get a 36 models, though, which is a decent number, despite spending so many points on Thranduil and Kelborn. I like the choice of having the main bulk of your army being Arnor warriors because they're super cost-efficient. They essentially get their spears for free. And also, with Aura of Command in your list, you don't have to worry about their courage or losing the Arnor army bonus. So I, I think my main concern is Thranduil as the hero pick. I don't know if it would be better if you pick, like, Legolas or... I was thinking, like... No, I never really considered Legolas. I was thinking, like, maybe Glorfindel. 
but I kind of like that Thranduil can hit better because I want him to be a really big threat and everybody to focus on him because then it lets my other heroes just do a lot more work. Like, I just need Thranduil to, like, threaten and, like, threaten the magic and stuff and maybe threaten some heroes. I don't need him to go in there and kill everything. can kind of use him like a scalpel, I guess. Yeah. Maybe put the banner in one of the Arnor War bands just in case of Maelstrom, then at least more of your models can reroll. Uh, I was... Oh. I'm struggling between Fortitude and Valor because I do appreciate you not going max bows for once. <laughs> I think if you took the seven rangers, Arnor rangers in Arnor, you would break a lot faster because that's seven less defense six models. Like you might kill two or three more models in the shoot phase, but once combat hit, I think your your numbers would go down a lot quicker. I'm not sold on the Thranduil pick, but I do like the 20 Arnor warriors. I think that's that's really scary. I'll go I'll go light Valor on this one. Yeah, so I don't usually go with so many foot heroes, but I do like the Thranduil pick actually here. And I don't see a lot of times where it's done well, where you ally in Thranduil and you lose the army bonus. So props for that, because I think it's nice allying him in with the two Mirkwood Knights because they treat Thranduil as a six inch banner. So that's a nice energy that you don't lose. And I do agree with what you said before, where if you're going to take the one mounted hero, you better take a big one. And I like Thranduil and Celeborn's abilities to kind of stack auras. So Celeborn has the aura of command, and then Thranduil has the aura of dismay, which is really nice. And I think everything else has been covered where Arnor is just, the warriors are super solid, a lot better, in my opinion, than having Rohan as the front line sometimes. Yeah, I'm going to give this a Valor. Awesome. Uh, yeah, that was something I forgot to mention was the stacking auras. Yeah, I've, I've played a lot of that, like Arnor with Kyrdan, so you get both of those auras anyway, and it, it turns these little 8-point guys who are scary on their own into just absolute ridiculous levels. Yeah, instead of Mirkwood, if you threw in Glorfindel and Kyrdan, it would look like a very familiar list. <laughs> well, that was part of the other thing, too, is like I, I kind of wrote one a little bit with the Glorfindel route, and I was like, I'm just writing my Nova list again. <laughs> Yeah. The winner of this episode is Ian with three Hero of Valor ratings. And I'm now I'm just thinking, is it possible to build a list with Kelborn and basically have a podium potential list, a Hero of Legend rating? Do you guys think that's possible? Yeah, well, it's definitely possible. Didn't Jay Claire win the GT like last year with the Lothlorien list or something? Did he? I have a vague memory of him taking it. Like a pure Lothlorien list of like 1,000 points or 800 points or something, and he, he won. Well, how we uh, determine the rating, I think Valor is podium potential. I think Hero of Legend is more like you would be heavily favored to win the tournament. So, I don't know. Personally, I don't think it's possible with Celeborn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Jay did really well, partly because of his skill at the game. Yeah, 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 that, that, that makes a big yeah, difference. Not because of Celeborn. It's <laughs> because of Celeborn. He's OP. It's, it's clearly, we, we've all agreed upon in our discussion at the start of the episode. <laughs> yeah. Getting getting a, a median six score from all of us, that was definitely Celeborn being crazy powerful. Uni motto and apply it here. C's get degrees, sixes get wins. <laughs> I don't know. I think we've seen every army list get it at some point. I think it really depends on player, list, play style, how the list works, having a strong knowledge of the game, even just the tournament and the scenarios that come up in the tournament, the matchups they have. 
it all factors in. So I think it's really difficult to say yes or no, because I think we'd see it at least once with every army list, even armies that people say, oh, it's not a tournament winning list. Then you get that perfect storm and it happens. So I think it's definitely possible. Yeah, agreed. So that has been our lists for this episode with Celeborn. Next, let's move on to our open topic of the day. So the open topic of today, we will be discussing and ranking the heroic actions. We're going to be focusing on the special heroic actions, so not going to discuss heroic move, heroic shoot, and heroic combat, uh, since they are the most common. Every hero has access to them, basically. But we'll be touching on the remaining eight heroic actions. So the eight that we have in the rules are heroic strike, heroic march, heroic defense, Heroic Channel, Heroic Strength, Heroic Accuracy, Heroic Resolve, and Heroic Challenge. So I guess the obvious question that we can get out of the way first is, which ones would you guys say are the best ones and the obvious worst ones? So I think we've touched on this multiple times in previous profile reviews, but I think we're pretty much on the same page when it comes to the big three. And I would say the order goes down as Heroic Strike as being the best, Heroic March as being the second best, and third would be Heroic Defense. Yeah, just you need access to those in basically all, like almost every list you write, right? You need at least a strike in your list just because it allows you to deal with big threats or at least have an option to try and like fight them. So without that, it's like it makes your game plan a lot harder. The same thing goes for March, just having the option in there when it comes up, like when you need it, you need it. And there's nothing around that, right? Like, in seize the prize if it comes up. If your opponent has March and you don't, you're going to be fighting an uphill battle, like, immediately. Yeah, I agree with this ordering. I think strike might not be the most reliable heroic action, just because, let's say you're a fight three hero and you're striking up against a fight six or seven. It's not guaranteed that you'll roll high enough to tie or beat that hero. And even if you do, it's not guaranteed that you're going to win the duel. Like, you're going to roll high in your combat as well. So I definitely think that you can have a winning list without a strike. There are other things in the game you can throw in, like Transfix or Bat Swarm, the One Ring, stuff like that. But it helps in most situations. In most situations, it's good to have strike on a hero. March, it's good. Maybe not in every scenario. I think it's always good to have March in, in an army. And defense makes a hero a lot more survivable. So I think it does deserve to be in the top three. Yeah, I don't think any of these are necessary to win a game in particular, but it's just I think when people generally build lists, we definitely make a conscious effort to include heroes with Strike and March. So I think those two in particular are the most important. Alex, anything to add before we move on? I think all along we've been in agreement on those top three. A list without strike is really limited, especially from an evil standpoint, I think, more so than good. But if you come up against a list that has strike and you don't, you're really playing a a completely different game style than what you probably were planning on. March is always useful. It doesn't always get used every game. 
but it's kind of that you never leave home without it kind of situation. You always want the option just because there are going to be scenarios where you need to do it. There's scenarios where your opponent might be trying to kite you and you have to chase after them. So if they're flying away from you and shooting at you, you're going to have to move quickly. And then heroic defense, being able to bunker down in a situation where you might be surrounded, force your opponent to roll natural sixes to wound. Having that is just always valuable. I think when I see one of those three in a hero's profile, it's automatically a bonus where the other ones might be more conditional. Those ones are almost always a constant. Yeah, that, that's a good way to put it. Is like when you're looking for heroes, what I'm personally looking for heroes like to put in my list, I always look for these three to include. And then the other ones is kind of like if they have it, it's like, OK, cool, neat. That's another like thing in the toolbox I have. But these are always like the ones that are like, OK, I've got to get at least a strike. And I really need to try and get a march in is usually how I like to build my list. But that's more of a personal preference thing. But, you know, it is what it is. OK, so we're pretty much in agreement on the best heroic actions. Now, is there an obvious worst heroic action? I'm thinking heroic challenge. What do you Easily, guys? just easily heroic challenge. I don't think I've seen heroic challenge used once, maybe once in a very thematic moment in a friendly game. But no, I don't think I've actually seen player use it and have to spend a might point to do it. I'm inclined I, to agree with you, but I've never seen somebody use resolve either. And I have actually seen somebody use Challenge, even though we were just experimenting. Just to go back to Challenge for a second, it was updated in one of the FAQs, maybe last year, where they tried to encourage people by using it by adding additional penalties for declining. I think it was that you couldn't call Stanfast if you turned down a challenge. I think that's what it was. But I didn't notice really a difference in the community in terms of using this heroic action. I still think that it's so easy to counter it, either by striking or just declining and then having the challenger lose their point of might. That Okay, yeah, I think everybody was already scared off of it from like when Edition initially launched. So when they made that change, everybody was still very hesitant to use it. I honestly think if like every hero had access to challenge, it would be rated higher. Because there are only certain situations when you actually want to use it. Like you said, because like generally you want to use it against a hero who is the same tier as you or higher. And you usually don't want to do it against another hero that has strike. Because they'll just strike up, they'll win that combat, they'll do wounds, right? On that first round, and they might kill you. Because it's so restricted in, like, how to use it, I think if everybody had it, it actually would get used a lot more. But because you want to be in those specific situations or circumstances, it's really hard. I'd agree. I mean, obviously, I think if every hero had it, that automatically would make usage of that action go up just because you'd be able to use it with smaller heroes to try and slow down something larger. But the only hero that I've seen where I thought that might be useful is Shagrat's overrated hero of Sirathungal, where he's a hero of fortitude, so you can either use it on other captain-level heroes where they can't strike, or because I think Shagrat, for me at least, would usually be my secondary hero, being able to throw him into a bigger hero and then force the opponent to at least focus on Shagrat for a little bit, kind of make him the focal point, and he's not my main hero. That might be useful, but that's very conditional still. And that's conditional within a condition, because that condition is that I have Shagrat, and that he's my secondary hero, and that I'm facing a hero that doesn't have strike. That's actually a good show on Shagrat, though, because um, he does have blood and glory as well, so he can regenerate some extra might back there as well. So once you do get locked into a hero that you want to fight, you can uh, burn the rest of your might and not worry too much. 
So I think he's the only one that it might be a viable option to call challenge on. Maybe Lurts from the new Legion as well, since it's a specialized one. Yeah, I was just going to say the Shagrat shoutout is great. Like, I would actively think about using it if I was running him. I'd probably think about using that, like, every game. Just going and picking on, like, any heroes of fortitude in the enemy list. Like, okay, you're going at them. You're going to challenge them. And no matter how they react, you come out, like, with a net positive, basically. Yeah, he can outfight a lot of other fortitude and higher, even some valors, I think. But the fact that we're just talking about Shagrat now just shows how limited this heroic action is. Now, Ian also mentioned Yorick Resolve as one of the worst. I agree that it's uncommon. I've almost never seen it used. I've seen it used maybe two times before. And the main reason is just, I think, because the hero calling it cannot move. So I think in a situation where you want the extra magic resistance, it would have to be in a situation where you don't need the hero to fight that turn. Or the hero is one that isn't great at combat in the first place. So the one that I can think of that has resolve is Durbers. Because uh, most of the time you don't want him to fight. And uh, you could just have him camp in the back. And his heroic resolve would really help like your Moria monsters, which also have magic resistance. So you could stack and just give him more protection. But other than that, yeah, I don't know how many heroes that you would want to just give up a turn of movement for that. The thing with Resolve is that a lot of heroes who have it are also combat heroes. Like, the one that comes to mind is Aragorn, and you just, unless you're just waiting for battle lines to clash, you're almost never going to want to spend a point of might on a big combat hero to do that, right? Unless maybe you're playing against an Angmar list. I, I don't know. I just, I feel like there's, there's, there's better things you can spend your might on. But, like, yeah, okay, I guess, like, a support hero, like, I think Frodo has it. That's one that's coming to mind, or maybe it's Bilbo. Like a support hero who doesn't need to be in combat, like you said, that that's where I would consider it more, but I don't think I've ever really thought about it in the game, honestly. Yeah, and uh, Resolve is three inches, right? Six inches. Six inches. Yeah, it, it's quite conditional. I think you call it, yeah, you call it right after priority, so that's before you know which models might be targeted by magic that turn. Okay, so we have three heroic actions remaining in the middle. I think it'd be interesting to get you guys' opinion on how you would rank the remaining three. So they are Heroic Channeling, Heroic Strength, and Heroic Accuracy. I think personally, Channel is a little hard to rank because they usually come with anyone who can cast magical powers. So, and a lot of the magical powers are very useful to be able to channel. So it's almost to me like, how necessary is it to have magic in a list? And I think even though it's not a requirement for a competitive list, I think adding magic is a very strong tool. So I would probably have to um, rank channel as the strongest out of these three. And then next, I would say heroic strength. I honestly think heroic strength is very underrated. So certain examples that I've called with is on Guahir, or other monsters, it would be very similar. But if you're going for the hurl, it increases your distance of the hurl if you win the combat, which is very useful. And also on the defense, if you're being charged by uh, cavalry or a monstrous mount, if you are the infantry model, you can call a heroic strength. And if you get a higher strength than the opponent, then you actually won't get knocked to the ground. So I think strength is very underrated, so I'd rank that next. I would say lastly is accuracy, which is still useful, but I think with this recent nerf of where you can't re-roll to hit the mount, 
really limited a use. So I would place that third out of these bunch. From what I can think uh, of on the spot, I think only like Barrel White and Thranduil Circlet can't cast a channeled version. I mean, Barrel White doesn't have might anyway, but in the rare situation that it does gain might, I guess. So I think obviously there are some channeled versions that are better than others. Like you probably never, almost never use like a channeled Sorcerer's Blast. So it is a little bit conditional, but if you get a hero with a really important, really critical spell like Blinding Light, having um, the ability to channel makes it so much better. So I agree with it being fourth. You mentioned some good uses of heroic strength. One more that I can think of is some combat heroes that are stuck at strength four with no modifiers. Sometimes they'll have trouble killing. And in certain combats where they don't have to worry about heroic strike, heroic strength is great because it gives them the ability to just chop through whatever they need to kill. So an example, uh, at Nova, when I charge Bormir, Captain of the White Tower, into the Great Beast of Korgoroth, I didn't go with the Lance option, I went with a Banner option. So he's fight seven, but he's wounding the Great Beast on sixes. Having that heroic strength, the ability to go up to strength seven, potentially, he was able to uh, wound them on fours instead. So yeah, I think um, heroic strength is definitely underrated. Yeah, I have the exact same thoughts as you on accuracy. I, <laughs> I'm i not going to add much to the conversation, honestly. Yeah, channel is just like the next most useful one, so I'd, I'd put it first, just because, like, like Charles mentioned, like the, the blinding light is big. The only one that I could think of that I regularly channel. Channel mobilizes is still like a big threat. Um, and, you know, I've only had it done to me once, but it was really scary. A channeled fireball from Saruman on uh one of my heroes who was like out of will so he couldn't resist it and it's actually a pretty big threat against a hero who is like a main combat hero once they're in fighting and they're out of will putting that fireball on them is actually the channel fireball on them is, is pretty big i also channel flame burst one of your dwarf heroes with my cardoosh oh yeah that was so <laughs> annoying <laughs> i think you killed him in the last turn with that and like a black dart yeah you killed thror with it Oh, Roar. Yeah. So, so yeah channeling is definitely next and then what do we have we had strength yeah i tend to agree with charles and richard that the strength is underrated i don't i don't know if i've ever used it honestly because let me just because i'm stuck in the mentality of ah if i used to be able to do this for free if i had an axe now it costs a might point that's that's silly but there are definitely some uses for it i could really see this spot going to accuracy or strength because i think both of them have like much more rare conditions when you do want to use it but like when you want to use it it's super handy to have yeah i think the reason why i would put accuracy below strength is because it requires you to set it up like unless it's like turn one or turn two in the game you want enough archers beside the hero calling it and it has to be a hero that can call heroic accuracy and even then you've you finally have six to eight or ten archers around the hero you think that you have enough to make the accuracy worthwhile you don't know how many are going to hit so to me there's a lot of risk in calling accuracy for your point of might yeah yeah i've definitely definitely called accuracy with i i've definitely called accuracy with thrash cube before and it has definitely not paid off just because i would have him surrounded by 12 crossbows i'd think now is the time I'm going to heroic accuracy my way through to my opponent's general and at least, you know, make him burn some resources. And then Vrashku hits with one of his shots and three of my 12 crossbows hit. And it is then just a wasted point of might. So I think I've got to agree with the general consensus. Heroic channel of those three is 
probably the most useful. It's the most widely used. Isn't uh, channel transfix just what transfix was in the last edition? Yeah, it halves, their, it halves their fight value in attacks. Yeah, late game if you're trying to bring down an opponent's general and, he, and you've already targeted him a bunch that game, that can be really useful. If you target him throughout the game so that he has no will points and you get him in combat with one of your heroes and you do that, that can be really helpful. Obviously, it doesn't come up as much. I mean, it does really with um, general shamans just because I still find the use in channeling fury start of the game. But definitely with other spellcasters, almost always, like at least once, I'll channel something, especially late game. So that's always useful. Strength, I don't think I've ever actually used it, but Richard brought up a few really good uses for it. I think I'll keep that in mind. I think it might be especially useful with dwarf heroes because they do have the axe. Then you could stack that, right? Get plus one for uh, piercing strike, get another bonus for heroic strength, make some pretty meaty dwarf heroes. Heroic accuracy, like I've said, paid off for me maybe once, but it's really, for me, to include a pun that I didn't plan on saying, but here it is. It's a real shot in the dark. Just kind of throw it out there and really hope that it works. But the number of times it doesn't work compared to the number of times it does work is low. So I, I really think that's just kind of a Hail Mary pass one where you're kind of like looking for something, but in times it doesn't pan out the way you want it to, and it ends up being kind of a poorly spent point of might. Has its moments, but no, not like the other two. Okay, I agree with that. That yeah, accuracy. I, I don't think I've ever I haven't used it in a long time. It definitely does seem like a desperation move, like you said. Like it's not something you're gonna want to. Or personally, I never like go out of my way to use an accuracy. I just look to find other uses for that might. Now that we've gone through all the heroic actions, uh, looking at the order that we place them in. Are there any specific orderings that you guys would disagree with and would want to bring up? I was kind of thinking swap strength and accuracy, but now that I've thought about it more, I think I think strength does come in just above accuracy for me. Yeah. I'm also just thinking about it like... I think like Alex kind of mentioned it too, with strength you kind of want to stack it with other things. So I'm thinking about four long strength, five, strike, lance. Mm, that's a lot of damage. I have one that's... I don't know if it's unpopular, but I would consider swapping Strike and March. Booing intensifies. <laughs> Before this episode, I saw them almost as equals. And I'm just thinking, having Strike, to me, it's valued differently depending on what hero the Strike is on. Because I'm thinking like Groblog, who is a fight three hero that can Strike, it's not as big of a deal compared to like a hero from the Rohan list that needs strike in order to fight heroes from other armies. However, compared to March, March is pretty much good on any hero. You just have to put the hero in the position that you need for the troops to march. But other than that, it doesn't really matter who you call it with. It's all valued equally. So I think just the consistency of the march, as long as your hero doesn't get charged before he marches, it really can't go wrong. And so I'm tempted to put March a little bit higher than Strike. I'd say you are correct if you're looking at it from an angle of which one is more likely to pay off for the point of might. But I think if you're looking at which one is more likely to have the largest impact, it's almost always Strike, especially late game. We talk about a lot of these situations, getting them in late game. Because the later the game gets, the fewer resources everybody has, 
more powerful each of these heroic actions really become. You know, being able to do any of these things when your opponent might have a hard time countering you and you really pull something off, like striking up and having a smaller hero knock off your opponent's general, or a hero that you're targeting in a game where you have to target a, a hero or the objective is to get rid of enemy heroes. Those things are big. And I think late game, that is definitely bigger than March. Although at the same time, if it's objective-based and you're looking to run to something, Heroic March is big. But late game, you're going to have fewer models to do that with and fewer that can actually afford to move that distance without charging anyone. So I still think Strike is bigger because Strike is really the ability to fight a hero, come back the next time and say, my powers have doubled since the last time we met. Uh, (laughs) I'm sorry, that's the last prequel meme for the night. What is up with you today? (laughs) I don't know. Alex is in a very specific mood today. (laughs) I love it. I don't know what today is. Today is a very tiring Wednesday is what today is. I didn't sleep well last night. Can you tell? It's showing a little bit. (laughs) I use Strike in probably like a lot of my games. Like it comes up a lot, like the majority of the games I have. And March, while still super important, it just doesn't come up in as many. So I think that's probably why I rank it higher than the rest. As a side note, I think, I don't know if anybody would disagree with me. I know... 100% 100% the action I use the most is probably Heroic Move, even though they're not talking about those ones. So, I don't know, maybe it's kind of a relative thing. I don't use March that much, but I think it is super important. Well, if we're going to go the basic, be... go into the sorry, basic sorry. ones, I'll say um, I like Heroic Combat better. I don't know. I... The second we pull the basic ones that every hero gets into the mix, it just it just really throws everything out of wax. Then you've got to reconsider everything. Between move and combat, like obviously those two, I probably use more than anything else. And at that point, I've just got to I've got to go back to the drawing board and reconsider everything. So don't make me do that at this time of night. We're just we're not going to do it. Okay, so I think we decided on strike is the most important, right? Even though Charles does have a pretty solid argument against it. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Okay, so we got strike, then march, then defense, then channel then strength, accuracy, resolve, and challenge. Okay, so that has been our ranking and discussion of the special heroic actions of the game. Thank you all for listening, and look forward to the next episode of Into the West.